Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Grace. Welcome back to our summer series in the virtual campaign trail. Today, we're excited to bring Drew Rodriguez on the pod. Rodriguez, a Georgetown graduate of 2019 and native of Omaha, Nebraska, served as a caucus organizer for Vice President Joe Biden's primary campaign in Nevada before being sent to South Carolina after Nevada's caucus. After Biden's huge primary win in South Carolina, he was promoted to regional organizing director in the Tampa, Florida area, where he oversaw a team of more than 15 organizers before his office was abruptly shut down by the COVID-19 pandemic. Since then, he's been conducting and overseeing virtual organizing efforts. But before we get into the episode, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at FlyOnTheWallPod or email us at FlyOnTheWallPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so you graduated from Georgetown last spring and rose pretty quickly to regional organizing director on the Biden campaign. Can you tell us about your journey and why you wanted to go into campaign work? I did, yeah. Um, so the reason that I wanted to go into campaign work and uh, a part of my journey is that a, um, a consulting firm that I interned with uh, after my junior year of high school is called Purple Strategies. Um, they were born out of the campaign world. The um, two founders, one was a prominent Democratic campaign strategist, another was a Republican, and they encourage any of their any of their staff interns to try campaigning. Um, and they they gave me an offer to work there, but they said that it would be more beneficial if I did some campaigning and then came back to them. Um, and they knew I was from Omaha and it just, uh, with the timing of the IO caucus, it just all seemed like the stars were aligning. Um, and so I pretty much just jumped in after graduation into volunteer work and looking at jobs. And why did you end up choosing the Biden campaign among other campaigns? Yeah, I was, um, Going back and forth between the Biden campaign and Kamala Harris's campaign, and um, the staff on the ground uh, that I met with with the Biden campaign really sold me on um, how he would be as a leader in this cycle and how he was kind of a necessary uh, candidate, I would say, I guess that and but what I mean by that is like I think he's the candidate that the country needs right now. Someone who is a uniter, someone who has also kind of walked the walk. Um, I mean, personally for me, his uh, his help in passing the Affordable Care Act was something that affected my immediate family. And that's uh, when something personal like that affects you. It, it really I think will be a motivator for you as well. So um, those were some of the things that I was like juggling between when deciding. Yeah, absolutely. And now you find yourself in charge of an office, your regional field organizer, and you have other organizers beneath you. Can you take us through how you managed to rise the ranks in less than a year to a place like this? 
Yeah. So, um, honestly, I was kind of surprised how it all happened. Uh, but I think one of the main things that I try to do is just put my head down and do the work because being in Nevada for eight months was really tough in this cycle because of how many candidates there were every other week, somebody was rising and falling. And, um, it was like that for months. And so, uh, it's really easy to get caught up in that. And oftentimes I did. Um, but when you remember at the end of the day, uh, you, that you have to just focus on your goal as a campaign and focus on getting those people that are going to caucus for Joe Biden in Nevada. Um, it's really helpful. It's really appreciated by your, uh, the people above you. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of another way to put it, but it, it's also just better career-wise as well, I guess I would say. Can you explain to us how the pandemic sort of affected or stopped the efforts you were making to try to set up an office or to um, conduct organizing efforts? Um, yeah, so like, you know, many others, I mean, basically everybody else in the country, it was, it was just a shock and a standstill. Um, we were very early at calling our staff uh, to work from home and to get them out of uh, offices and public spaces, which uh, I was really appreciative about. And I, and I think that says a lot about Joe Biden and his campaign. But it, it was unfortunate because it was at this very exciting time in our campaign where we had um, we had soared uh, past Super Tuesday. We were hitting a stride and had a lot of momentum behind us. Um, and so I had set up an office in Tampa in, in two weeks, basically. And it was, um, it was a really effective and, and we went all out for this, for setting up this space. And, um, and it was just so unexpected that just as quickly as we set up, we had to take it down. And luckily for campaigns, we're used to that. Um, we were hopping state to state for, <laughs> for a while at this point. And uh, we knew that um, if, if this was going to be a reality where we're working from home, we're going to have to set up a program virtually just as we would if we were setting up a new office in a new community. So last week, the Trump campaign actually announced that they're going to start going back to um, some of those in-person rallies. Um, in terms of your perspective on the Biden campaign, are you rushing to return to some of those pre-COVID norms of campaigning, or do you think that some of these changes will last throughout the campaign cycle? You know, I'm, I don't think I'm speaking for the campaign when I answer this. Uh, I mean, what I would like to do is just see the safest alternatives. Um, and I think that is how the campaign is handling this. Um, every week, Jen O'Malley Dillon, our campaign manager, has a 
campaign wide, uh, like a zoom call, a meeting, and she gives us like up to date status of, um, how the campaign is going to be continuing. And I really have a lot of faith in her taking, uh, you know, listening to Joe Biden, listening to his advisors, listening to the scientific community. And I think that one of the most reassuring things is that there is no guarantee. She always tells us, you know, we're going to do, we're going to do these things when it's safe. And, um, I think it's nice not to hear a deadline, not to hear the end of July, because uh, who knows what the world's going to look like at the end of July. Right now, we have, you know, a, a lot of people predicting a second wave. And um, as much as I would love to be back in a national convention um, or have these these large rallies, um, it's what's most important. And what should be most important for politics is like the communities that you're in. So um, if, if it is a case that maybe there's no door to door knocking ever um, through November, then I have confidence that that decision was made with, uh, with the advice of like the scientific community. And going back to something you said before, um, you said you were setting up an office in Florida to ramp up operations. And then the pandemic hit and boom, things changed. Um, and you and the campaign were sort of stuck inside and everything ground to a halt. Can you tell us and our listeners what a typical day for you looks like now that you're sort of conducting operations virtually? Yeah, so our goal is to have a virtual event for every organizer um, every week. And so what's nice about having so many really talented organizers and having um having a lot of freedom to host these events is or is that we do a lot of community events and even a lot of phone banks and trainings um, but we also get to try things that maybe we didn't get to, that we wouldn't be able to do in a um in a typical campaign and so We've had a lot of events uh, based on young professionals in Nebraska, for example, were able to have a Zoom call with Simone Sanders and um, some local state senators. Um, we are able to have um, almost more access to surrogates because it's easier for them to hop on Zoom calls. Um, and so while it's a new challenge to get people to hop on virtual events, I think those that do are uh, pleasantly surprised by how well we're able to pull them off. So speaking more about um, volunteers, are people as enthusiastic to phone bank or text bank now that it can't be in person? Um, I think yes and no. Surprisingly, uh, we've had a lot of people that, um, they have a lot of free time, and so they're willing to do these trainings, do phone banking and texting. Um, but we also haven't gone like full force in pushing phone banks and texting because we're doing phone banks that are kind of different in the sense that we're not doing direct voter contacts like 
are you voting for Joe Biden? Are you voting for Trump? We're doing phone calls that are checking in on the community, um, checking in uh, to those people that may be impacted by coronavirus. Um, and so it's kind of hard to, to compare and contrast the calls that we used to do versus the calls that we're doing now. Um, so you just mentioned how your role right now is more of checking in on communities rather than trying to encourage them to phone bank or text bank. But moving into the fall, you're probably going to have to try to encourage your volunteers to make more calls. And I'm wondering what sort of strategies you plan to use to keep people engaged and to actively engage them through the election. Yeah, I guess that's kind of a, a million dollar question that I've been thinking about for the past few weeks as well, because I think that one way is, is digital organizing has has been around for the past couple of cycles, but never quite like this. And so um, Facebook groups, for example, you can find the most fired up people who are posting constantly. And um, like if you reached out, they're just, they're going to be down and ready to volunteer for you. And so I think that it's, it's going to be possible to find these people that are willing to volunteer and do calls for the campaign. We're just going to be finding them in a um, less traditional way, like going and finding these people that are already active um, on digital platforms rather than having somebody who's going to um, show up at a field office. Yeah. And so um, obviously right now, COVID's not the only thing um, that's been a big factor in um, the elections and in campaigning. Um, so how does the current social unrest and like the protests we see nationwide affect your outreach and volunteer organizing? That is a really good question. So I think I would answer this by looking at Joe Biden's uh, kind of address to the nation where he sees this social unrest as a burden that has to be carried at by all and looked at um, by everybody. And so we haven't shied away from, from the Black Lives Matter movement or any of the protests um, because we want to be active participants in listening and engaging in a dialogue. The way we make calls and talk to people, we've just kind of changed to be able to listen to anyone who wants to share. Um, I think, you know, we're still trying to figure out how to be the most effective during the, the uh, time, but um, we're taking steps to get there. Yeah, and in response to a lot of the protests, uh, major politicians and elected leaders have urged citizens to vote in November. Um, but as we've seen in recent primaries in Georgia, Nevada, South Carolina, and other places, there was um, voter suppression, or at the very least voter confusion, that made lines last for hours and people waited until past midnight to vote. So I'm curious, how are you and the campaign working to combat that possibility in November? Because you, as much as you can organize and tell people to vote if they you know, can't or, or have trouble with that, how do you um, work around that? Yeah, this is, um, I mean, I think this is, that's something that I hope they're approaching 
on the top levels of the campaign. And it's, you know, obviously as a, a regional organized director, I, I personally don't have any, I don't know of anything that I can do directly other than, you know, kind of write to the state officials and make the grievances be known. Uh, so yeah, it's just something that's so frustrating because, you know, if, if you are an organizer and you are, your job is to turn out people to vote and then you turn them out to lines that are, um, you know, hours long, it's, it's really disheartening. And this happened to me in Nevada where there was early voting for the caucus, um, which everyone was really excited about because then they didn't have to do the caucus. And so at my, my precinct site, the, the hour was three hours long in Nevada to vote. And I had people that I had been making relationships for the, for months and they were getting turned away. And it was, it was really, really disheartening. And I like if if there's anything I, I can do to try to prevent that, maybe all I can do is tell people that, you know, expect some longer lines in certain places. And, uh, you know, we just, that's just another way we have to, another obstacle we have to jump over and run through. Um, and I, th- I don't think that's a bad option either being honest with people um, and maybe trying to use it as a motivator. Um, if, if, you know, you're in a community where, they're trying to suppress your votes. Hopefully for some people that's like a motivator for, okay, well then I'm absolutely going to make sure that I'm in line uh, if they're trying to disenfranchise me in, in any way. Okay. So we wanted to kind of um, see how the, your role at like a regional organizing um, volunteer really plays out. And so pretend we're a voter and you or one of your volunteers is talking to us on the phone. What's kind of like your pitch especially when you can't be engaging with voters um, on like a door knocking basis. So something that we do that I, I'm really happy to campaign is doing this is um, we first just ask like, how are you doing? And it's, it's really broad and it seems kind of cliche, but um, it kind of like, A, we want, we want to check up on people. Um, that's important to us. Um, and we also have resources if somebody you know is struggling through uh you know COVID-19 or and needs you know any type of resources and so we do check up on them um and often that just opens up a dialogue um some people really like to talk about the campaign and their thoughts um and then that naturally flows into, oh, it sounds like you're in, you might be interested into a virtual event. Um, but it's, a, it's important to know that we don't just call and say like, hey, will you do these calls with us? Uh, because that's not, what, that's not the most important thing in the moment. Um, and it's been nice because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying like, the Biden campaign just called just to check up on me. And um, it was like, so surprising that a political group was was just reaching out to see how everything's going um and it's happened multiple times and it's like it kind of reassures me that the campaign's doing uh doing a good job right now that's really great insight i didn't know what was going on i'm sure our listeners love that as well um thank you so much for joining us before we go we want to ask one last question and that's just 
What's your favorite part of being a regional organizing director? Oh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of really rewarding things, but one of the most rewarding things about being on field in any capacity is just the volunteers will always amaze you in their effort and their um, creativity and their dedication to the campaign. Um, you'll, you'll just always be pleasantly surprised by uh, people that show up day after day after day and they were, they're going to be flexible with you. Um, we start asking people to be hosts for virtual events and some people are, are just jumping on the chance to, uh, to host these with us and they're going to do, you know, any phone bank trainings. They want to like lead the phone bank trainings. And, and that's really rewarding when you see that uh, people are as just as invested as you are. Drew, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I know things are probably pretty busy right now, um, but uh, we really appreciate your insight and hope that you're staying well. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, and I, I do want to put in a quick thing about anyone listening, if they're interested in getting involved with the campaign, um, please let them know they can uh, reach out to me, reach out on the website, because um, we are open for any and everyone. We hope you enjoyed this inside perspective in the grassroots campaigning. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Fly on the Wall Pod. Feel free to send us your thoughts and ideas at flyonthewallpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and catch you next week.